Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. Oregon coming up, obviously USC at the end of the year, but... This is getting to be a really interesting deal. No fans showed up, barely any UCLA fans, but alert to all of Los Angeles. The Bruins are good and fun to watch. SI's Ross Gellinger. The, the Tennessee fans rallied. They, man, they, there is no fan base when, when their team is good. There is no fan base that travels like Tennessee does. And SI's Pat Forty. Now, this is a power trip, the likes of which I've never seen. You will not tell us who will play quarterback. You will not contradict my son, the offensive coordinator. We will do what we want, and we will lose, and you will like it. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. I welcome to the pod overreacting to week six, and there's plenty to overreact to. Good Lord. Taping at noonish here, East Coast. Not sure if anyone gets fired. Mm. If not, we'll get Brian Harson. <coughs> Brian Harson. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it would break like a five-week streak of people getting fired. Everyone's but. getting fired, so you kind of wait. But we'll get to you. If you're fired, uh, we'll get to your misery. Don't worry. You're not slipping yeah. past us. I don't know if Oklahoma's <laughs> looking to fire their coach. Ooh, but Ooh. I, before we get to A&M and Alabama, before we get to, to all of it, I got it. I mean, this is the ethos of this this podcast occurred in uh, Champaign, Illinois, on Saturday <laughs> afternoon. Fighting a lion, I go nine, go to five and one. Should be six and zero, oh, but they're five and one. They beat Iowa nine to six. But this is perhaps the most remarkable scoring sequence of the year. I, I, you're gonna have to come up with something, okay? Eight minutes left in the first quarter. Illinois hits a field goal, obviously. There's only field goals. <laughs> yes, only field goals in the building. Yes. With Iowa, you have to say the six was by two field goals, not three safeties, because you never know. <laughs> <laughs> the only given is that there were no touchdowns. No touchdowns in this game. Horrendous game. Wait till I read the second half drive chart. Um, and Iowa's offensive woes have now seeped over to Iowa State. They can't score a touchdown either. It's <laughs> It's the, the water. State. It's the aquifer <laughs> under the whole damn state now. <laughs> it, I don't know what, if you're an Iowa fan, like at least a lot of Iowa fan people who live in Iowa are also Kansas City Chief fans. So at least you can actually watch a damn offense on Sunday after your eyes bleed on Saturday watching the college game. Just, okay, where's Mahomes? I got to get to Mahomes because <laughs> this is not football. 
Okay. Uh, Eight minutes left. Illinois takes a uh, kind of commanding 6-3 lead. <laughs> Iowa fields the kickoff. 7.55 left. They field the kickoff, and, and Caleb Johnson returns at 17 yards, which is a massive whoa. amount of turf Big for play. Iowa. They get to the 27, okay? Spencer Petrus incompletion. Caleb Johnson one-yard run. Petrus sack by uh, Keith Randolph for 10-yard loss. Well, actually, maybe it's a 12-yard loss. I don't know. They're back to the 16, so they have, uh, they're have they three and out minus 11. They punt the ball, Okay. The punt lands at about the uh, about the 35 of Illinois. It bounces directly off the Illinois receivers' uh, shoulder pads, and Iowa recovers the ball at the Illinois 35-yard line. Huge opportunity here. Petrus biggest sack, gain of the day for biggest sure. gain of the day. Petrus sack for six-yard loss. Petrus completion for five yards, <laughs> but there's a false start in the next play, so they lose that. Then there's offensive holding on third and 16 that gets declined. So now they are uh, they're on the Illinois 41 or so. Maybe they're backed up more. Yeah, they're at the Illinois 41. Okay, third and 16. Naturally, they punt again. So this team's got no, no, I mean, come on, you're over the thing. They punt the ball out of bounds. Illinois gets the ball at their own 14. They throw an incomplete pass, and then they fumble the ball uh, for a nine-yard loss. Illinois gets the ball. Uh, Iowa gets the ball at the Illinois five. Okay. So they've, they've had a punt fumble and then a regular fumble in, in basically two snaps for it. They are now set up at the five incomplete pass on sportsmanlike conduct on Iowa, a uh, completion out for nine yards, another offsides by Illinois gets close, but it's no play. They get to fourth down and Iowa kicks a field goal. Okay. So they have a drive that goes, Let's see. They start at their own. What was it? The 27. Uh, it yep. goes uh, 23 and then uh, 41. So what's that? A uh, That's a 64. 64-yard si- drive. 12 plays, two punts, minus 21 <laughs> yards gained on the, under center. A 12-play, two-punt, minus 21-yard, 64-yard kind of scoring drive if you will mm-hmm. that's that's so iowa it hurts mm-hmm. it's that's the most incredible. astounding thing i've ever seen more than when he didn't run out the he chose to take a knee last year <laughs> against penn state even though he still had to punt <laughs> yes. he took a knee and had punted away in the last minute of the game gave penn state a chance Rather than try for a first down and get sacked in their own end zone. <sighs> 12 play, two punt. <laughs> and negative yardage. And they and scored. And they scored. It was one of their only two scoring. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that sums up the entire Iowa season right there. And frankly, like as much fun as they have been to make fun of, seriously, why will they not play a backup quarterback at all. Spencer Petrus, God love him, is terrible. And he's like in tears at the podium yesterday because he's the one having to answer for the whole ineptitude of which he is no small part, but he's the one up there having to answer for how bad they are. Give someone else a chance. I mean, this is beyond stubborn. This is now like, 
psychotic or something. I don't know. This is a power trip, the likes of which I've never seen. You will not tell us who will play quarterback. You will not contradict my son, the offensive coordinator. We will do what we want, and we will lose, and you will like it. That's their basic approach. It's unbelievable. So stubborn. Stubborn to the stubborn to the end, right? We're gonna we're gonna see stubborn to the end. The uh, you got to give him this that that whole sequence that Dan just went through. It's innovative. Nobody else has tried it before. So <laughs> hey, double punt. You know, it's new. It's something new. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, it's incredible. You wonder you wonder how this is gonna end because from talking to people up in Iowa, like you know, he's he's not. They don't expect him to make a move on his his son. I mean, it just, it, that's, that's the whole thing. Like they they don't expect that to happen. So, so are they just both going to go down eventually? I guess I, I don't know. It's, it's a certainly a tricky situation. And then Gary Barta, you know, the AD, I mean, he, he's like really close with both of them. I know that when they hired Barta, there was some issues with, uh, what do they call it? You know, when you hire a family member, um, yeah, nepotism, nepotism, uh, nepotism. Yeah. yeah. Nepotism and Gary Barta's, you know, uh, stood in and, and rearranged the pecking order where he said he hired him. I mean, it was like a, like, so he's in it too. He's in on it too. So it's going to take, it's going to take somebody maybe uh, outside of the AD to, to, to make some kind of move here because something probably needs to happen. Please work the portal Iowa for a quarterback or don't because you're more entertaining this way. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if I'm them, purposes. I'm like, I am, I am you sending do. love letters or whatever correspondence you can to Hank Bachmeyer sitting out or so. I mean, just somebody <laughs> yeah. competent. My God, somebody. who doesn't want to be the quarterback of a Big Ten team? I know. If your offense was bad, you're you're five and one, six and zero oh right now. Like, I mean, it's uh, yeah. anyway. All they, all they is like is this be... is stealing money. This is stealing yeah. money. I <laughs> I would lose by forty five points if I had this team back at Arkansas. But I'm in the Big Ten West, and I am now in first place. I am five and one. <laughs> Let me read how the end of, after that um, remarkable double punt field goal drive. This is how the game ended. Now that granted, that was in the first quarter. Okay, that yeah. was in the first quarter. So the rest of the game after that first quarter drive that tied up six six, punt, missed field goal, end of half, punt, 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 punt. <laughs> Punt. That's seven. Interception by Illinois. Punt. Illini. A nine-play, 26-yard field goal drive. <laughs> Nine plays, 26 yards. 26. Oh, my God. Just creeping it Takes forward. the lead. Interception. Punt. Mm-mm-mm. Hey, as we're talking about this, I was looking up Iowa stats. Uh, this, is, this is the Iowa offensive stats right now after six games. Keep in mind, there are 131 FBS teams. Total offense, 131. Mm-hmm. Pass offense, 120th. Rush offense, 127th. Scoring offense, 127th. Amazing. You know, I'm surprised the pass offense is that high, really. 120th? <laughs> yeah. But it's it's uh, uh, better than 10 teams, yeah. And I bet, I bet five of those teams run the option. <laughs> you know? I mean, if let's I'll, see. Uh, yeah, you got Navy in yeah, there. Yeah. You got Air Force. They're not in there. trying to be offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, They're I, I think Brett Bielema's pass efficiency, so even lower in efficiency. I think Brett Bielema's like, my team isn't any good. Like we were horrible yesterday. We should got killed. We missed. <laughs> we had interceptions. We had missed field goals. We or I think they missed a field goal. We had. I mean, we didn't do anything, right? And then 
we won. We're in first place. All right. Anyway, that that is what's going on in the so we we watch the stuff so you don't have to and, and injure yourself. <laughs> Amazing sequence. I, it's we're here to, to to highlight the remarkable. <laughs> That's A and M, Alabama. The Ooh. grudge match actually turns into a pretty competitive game. I wouldn't say yeah. it was a good game. Aggies covered. Aggies Only covered. The Aggies to cover, baby. I, I'm done easy. with Alabama. Yeah, well, I, I, like freaking! I can't figure enough him with out. this. Uh, it's just a minor, a minor injury, minor injury to Bryce Young. Uh, Saban lied. Saban lied. Up to the very, well, up to the very end. I, announced in the press box as the starter. Yeah, he, and that you he, you knew he wasn't starting if you watched the warm ups though. I mean, it's, it's like I yeah. can't believe he doesn't value the media more. Didn't practice yeah. all week. Nick yeah. Saban, the guy who stood there and said, "I will not be the next coach at Alabama." Two weeks before he lied to me, Nick Saban. I don't know if Bryce Young's the best player in college football, although he very well may be. He's the damn most valuable because (laughs) if Bryce Young's playing Saturday night, Alabama covers, but they didn't. He wasn't. Yeah. And AM in this wild ass game going down to the final play somehow. Haynes King is getting beaten up. I don't even know how they got down there at the end. They get the final play of the game. It's first and goal from the two. They throw a one yard pass. That doesn't get completed. Uh, Johnny Manziel calls it the worst pass, the worst play call he's ever seen. I mean, they're just chirping Jimbo on the CBS broadcast. They're just killing Jimbo. There's like these little slighted, oh, another offside, another this, not ready. Why aren't they doing this? Oh, they're all over him. Everyone's down on Jimbo for this thing, but they still almost won the game. Pat, you were there. What the hell happened in Tuscaloosa? Oh, boy. I mean, it was wild. I mean, Alabama gave them every single opportunity to win. And I'll give Texas A&M credit. They they fought. I mean, this was a team that appeared to be in disarray as recently as last week when they got housed by Mississippi State. So expectations were low for them from a competitive standpoint. And But Alabama, first of all, all right, Jalen Milrow is a very good athlete who can make some plays with his feet. He is not a an experienced uh passing quarterback he you know he didn't have pocket presence he fumbled twice when he was hit that like didn't feel the rush threw a bad interception three of the four turnovers were on him and it's uh you know it's just one of those situations where you add those turnovers in with the missed field goals by by Alabama and all of a sudden it's like they're giving this game away and AM just kind of gradually getting down the field. They make a couple of plays, and then there's a penalty, and then there's another penalty, and Haynes King throws one up for grabs, and Evan Stewart catches it over the top of the Alabama defensive back. And it's like, holy crap, they might actually win this. You get one play at the two-yard line with the game on the line, and then they ran that play, and everybody just killed the play. It was bad execution. I'm not sure the call was terrible, as inexcusable as Johnny Manziel and others were making it out to be. It, it's a hard, probably a harder play than Haynes King can make to throw a pinpoint, perfect timing pylon throw to a freshman wide receiver. You might be asking a little bit much, but Fisher said, and he went through it like this is the that was the that was the route that they wanted. That was the route they thought was going to be open. The kid did not run a great route. He didn't get deep enough into the end zone to stay in the end zone, and then Haynes King threw it out of the end zone anyway. So, again, more bad execution than play call, in my opinion. And Saban did a great breakdown on his coach's show of how to uh, how they defended that. 
and why they kind of leveraged away the other. They took away the other side of the field or, or as much as they could. And so the throw kind of went where they wanted to. And uh, and they just didn't connect on it. But Alabama was look, they were they were pretty fortunate to get out of there with a win. And if Bryce Young isn't playing next week, look out. I think he's going to play. They think he's going to play. You know, he didn't practice much, if at all. I think all last week. And so, you know, I, I honestly I don't know why he even dressed out. The response I got on why he dressed out was well, just in case it was like necessary, like. <laughs> It looked pretty necessary, and he didn't come in. Saban said afterward he wanted to come in, you know, late in the game, try to help the team, try to save the game uh, if he could, but they wouldn't let him, which tells me that, you know, the medical staff didn't think it was appropriate. So they they have confidence that he's going to be back and, and he'll play against Tennessee because, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're, if they're playing anybody else, I mean, anybody else decent, they're playing a top 25 team, like a true top 25 team, yeah, they – they lose the game. Milroy just could not hold on to the ball, and he seems in the pocket uncomfortable, to say the least. Yeah, it was like after the first two fumbles after that, then he was real skittish, like, oh, I'm not feeling the rush. I'm not feeling the rush. I better move. And he was moving too soon at times. Something just he, he couldn't figure it out. I, there was so much rush. Um, I just thought if they if I don't, I, it seems like A and M called a play, then Nick Saban called timeout adjusted to the lineup formation and then mm. AM stuck with the play. Yep. That and, and if you yep. watch later, they showed his uh coach's uh show. Saban breaks it down. He says he moved everybody to a different, you know, uh to force them in a different direction. Leverage. They had to set yeah. up leverage. They took away the ability for King to run with his um arm side by having Will Anderson. You can't run into Will Anderson, right? Everything was so quick. They only rushed three, and they still got the pocket moving. And I think King was so nervous about how little time he had. It was an all-around bad play. But <laughs> that was because he had gotten the crap beat yeah. out of him. I mean, it was. I, I'll oh. give the kid credit. I mean, Will Anderson came in time after time after time after time and kept hammering him, and he was hurt by the end of the game. But he stood in there and kept chucking. So, it, yeah, it was. Uh, so A and M goes back. They're going to try to salvage a season by beating you know, climb their way out of the, the bottom. And they're going to have to do that by beating the, the you know, Mississippi's. They got South Carolina in a couple of weeks. We'll see what A&M does and whether this becomes a total disaster of a season or uh, or something else. Next week, Knoxville, we'll talk about the Alabama-Tennessee matchup. But this is probably what has to bother A&M fans. Josh Heupel is in year two at Tennessee. And his <laughs> team looks terrific. And it's dynamic. And they've got the top 10 matchup. And Jimbo Fisher's in year five. And you're going, yeah, but wait till our recruits get going. Um, Tennessee looked awesome. Just blew the doors off of LSU. They tried to get the fans riled up by offering them 9 a.m. beers at the stadium. Good job by LSU. But once again, the LSU fans just didn't, they didn't rise to the occasion. Maybe they didn't have a lot to cheer about, but they didn't rise. I saw some empty seats. All of this. We got to work on our Friday night consumption got to pace ourselves a little bit when clearly LSU needs some coaching they're the most talented drinkers in the country <laughs> but it, it was a, it was a failure you um, were overly optimistic in their ability to rally for the 11 a.m. they didn't do it Ross and I knew it. it was going to be tough I tried mm. to challenge yeah, you it. see all the, uh, the the Tennessee fans rallied they man they, they were there there is no fan base when when their team is good there is no fan base uh, that travels like Tennessee does. It, it was incredible. I saw pictures from Tiger Stadium. It was really impressive. Yeah. So how good is Tennessee, Ross? 
Mm. You know, offensively, right, one of the best in the country. I mean, without Tillman, their best receiver maybe, they put up 40 uh, against LSU at LSU. So against a defense that's actually pretty good, it's LSU strength is their, is their defense. So defensively, Tennessee has some has some issues, right? They've go go back to the Pitt game. I don't nobody uh, remembers they uh, they had to take they go to overtime with Pitt. Uh, Pitt, you know, Pitt Pitt moved the ball on them. So there's uh, certainly some defensive issues. Uh, I have all the confidence in the world in their offense, um, offensively with Hinton Hooker and like I said Tillman, uh, those guys, uh, and he's got a couple of receivers too. They they. You know, Josh Hopper does a good job with, with that offense. But defense is going to be interesting to watch when they play really good offenses, which, you know, Alabama with Bryce Young is a pretty dang good offense. So uh, maybe not what it's been in the past, but it'll be interesting to watch. Um, that's a – I don't know what the spread's out in that game, but, man, I mean, Pat, I think you kind of mentioned this to me this morning or, or yesterday, last night, but should Tennessee be favored? I mean, maybe so. I, th- I think they should be. I do. I, I, the early lines I've seen is Alabama by more than a touchdown. Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, first of all, if Bryce Young comes back, that's obviously a leveler. But yeah. we, we don't know for sure. He probably will. Is he going to be 100%? We don't know. Mm, Tennessee's yeah. played better than Alabama so far this year. If you take the mm-hmm. names off the jerseys, if you throw away the recent history, which is unbelievable, 15 straight times. Alabama has beaten Tennessee. Tennessee is 0 for Saban since he got to Tech Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. And only two of them have been even remotely close. Two of them are less than, than two touchdowns. So, you know, you the history says, yes, Alabama. But the product on the field so far this year, I would say Tennessee at home should be favored. Maybe a point, maybe two, whatever. But I would I would favor them. Wow. I'm not. I'm not saying you're wrong, but that is a wow. This is going to be a yeah. I'm seeing uh, at least on Vegas Insider, sixteen. It opened at six. Alabama minus sixteen and a half. Bet M, Bet MGM. Sean says is at fourteen and a half. That is insane. That's got to change. That's got to come back. Fourteen and a half right now. You can get Tennessee plus fourteen. <laughs> you you could have got him at sixteen and a half at one point. It opened at 16. I'm seeing on Vegas Insider. It opened at 16 and a half. Man, I, mean, I, I didn't see it. I got around too late. Yeah, Does that I, I don't about, know, but yeah. that's a, uh, yeah, I mean, wow. that's just a, that's a value play uh, if yeah. that bet is out there. I mean, I, I again. Yeah, I was thinking six to seven at the most, you know, but uh, man, wow. Um, Two touchdowns. I mean, the thing about Alabama is they're just a nightmare to bet. Because you just don't know yeah. what's coming. You don't know no. what you're getting. Right. But I mean, the, at, they could easily go in there and beat them. Like, if it's 42-14, we're talking next week. I'd be like, yeah, well, okay. <laughs> uh, these things happen, right? And I'm going to, yeah, wow. All right. That's, ju- do your research. Don't take yeah. our advice, but do your research. Unfortunately, is- yeah. With Alabama, we've been caught fighting the last war, as the generals say. Uh, you I don't know, know like if the lines are fully out, but based on what happened in the yeah, last game. Early. Yeah, it's a, it's a swing. All right, let me ask you this question right now. This team's getting no attention. But Ohio State Buckeyes, should they be ranked number one in the country? Okay? Yeah. They are 6-0. and uh, C.J. Stroud threw six TD passes yesterday. It's Michigan State, but it's at Michigan State. They annihilated Michigan State. 
their worst result is an 11 point victory over Notre Dame who had a nice win yesterday against BYU and certainly played well in that game. We saw the problems that Notre Dame had against Marshall and, and even not finishing out Cal, but it's not that bad of a team. That's your worst result. There's the schedule's not great because Wisconsin sucked and whatever, but, and Oh, they're going to Iowa. I can't wait for this spread. <laughs> what, I mean, what is that? Like, uh, um, what see. spread can you come up on that one? You look it up. But are they not even full strength on this offense yet? That's the amazing thing about it. So they haven't played the schedule that Georgia and Alabama have. They have not like Georgia's sitting on that great Oregon win, they, and 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 they're not playing the. But and their their Big Ten opponents are Wisconsin, Rutgers, and Rutgers and Michigan State. Maybe the two worst teams in the Big Ten. And Wisconsin fired their coach like a week later. But they look fantastic. Should they be ranked number one, Pat? I probably would rank them number one. Uh, I I see your your point is absolutely valid about who's played a harder schedule. But in terms of just dominant performances week after week after week, I was at the Notre Dame game. They were shaky for a half and maybe even a little into the third quarter. But then they, they very much dominated the rest of that game incredible offense as you said I like Jackson Smith and Jigba who's the first team all-American receiver coming into the season has done nothing he's got four catches for 36 yards he was out yesterday didn't play yeah yeah he's bad he's Mm -hmm. only played in uh, a few games uh the Iowa game is in two weeks by the way sorry okay yeah and it's actually it's in in the horseshoe so Iowa will not score I got other than that I had the that's that (laughs) bit of info totally correct I mean They've had running backs be in and out. Uh, Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson have both missed a game, but both of them are just fantastic. Stroud is a wizard. So I would I would rank them number one uh, at this point, and they will be number one in the 40-yard dash uh, playoff bracket. Well, I did our top ten last night, and it was a struggle trying to rank Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia because all four – have arguments to be number one. I, you know, I ended up I ended up putting it as Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, only because of schedule. Clemson's got two top twenty-five wins, one on the road. You know, they've looked better of late. I just think because of the schedule. I mean, legitimately, of teams ranked right now, right? Ohio State's beat no one, no one ranked, no one in the top twenty-five, and and that's a problem for me. Alabama's beat. What one, I guess one ranked team, maybe two ish. But I just Clemson's schedule, I think, is what pushes them over the edge. But I think you could make a case that Ohio State's been the most dominant. Um, but I just think the caveat there is they haven't played a ranked they haven't team played yet. Anybody. So um yeah, I mean they got a buy, like you said, and and then uh they host <laughs> they host Iowa and they won't play a ranked team until the next week, Halloween weekend. They'll play at Penn State, and that will be the first ranked team. Really, we'll see Ohio State play maybe all year until, until they get to Michigan. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, I can just hear the SEC fans right now. I can just hear them <laughs> about how weak Ohio State's. Going. And it is. I mean, it is. It is what it is. But you're stuck with who you got to play, and they're killing yep. them. So again, I don't know. Interesting thing. I agree with you on Clemson there. Clemson dominated BC, particularly late. Another one of my lock of the weeks came through. And boy, did was I ever right that BC's poor mm. offensive line. Yeah. 
had no chance, especially late in that game. Uh, 31-3. But, like, you know, when you're doing things like that, you're going in and beating people on the road, 31-3, that's, you know, that's that's what Ohio State's doing, too. You'd say, all right, they just, you're just crushing people. So, interesting debate there. All right, um, there was uh, there was an event at the Texas State Fair. I believe uh, it was uh, called, like, what was it, 187, the murder code? Oh, no. Yeah, uh, yeah, 187. Yeah, yeah, the Red River shootout. Someone got shot. It was Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> searching for nba playoff coverage we've got you the old man and the three presented by bmw gives you an inside look into the world of sports hosted by former nba sharpshooter and duke legend jj reddick and sports writer tommy alter the old man and the three offers unprecedented access to the league tommy and jj discuss the nba and interview some of the biggest names in the league like devin booker and luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. 49 zip. 49. And there have been some... There have been some unbelievable endings in the series, and there have been some unbelievable woodshed beatings. This was got to be one of the most dispiriting events for Oklahoma because of two things. One, you got absolutely destroyed, and you know Quinn Ewers of Texas is coming back next year to do it again. And you know Brent Venables is probably coming back too. Like, this isn't like... We're about to fire this coach. Oklahoma's laid, laid some laid some like pink slip sh- slaps on Texas through the years. It's like we just hired this guy. Absolute crushing. I don't know what you two were thinking betting Texas in this game. Uh, do we have to talk about that? All time bad. <laughs> Thoughts on Red River, Pat? Wow. I mean. Yes, we have seen Oklahoma put those kind of beatings on Texas a few times. Uh, Mac Brown had a few inflicted on him, and then even before that, uh, uh, this is if that isn't rock bottom for Oklahoma, they might not want to see what is. Actually, <laughs> here's what might be rock bottom for Oklahoma. Second, I just think you can't sit there and go, "Well, they've got this guy, and we can't." You know, it's like Adrian Peterson crushes us. Well, he's graduating, right? Earl, right. Earl Campbell's. They got Vince Young. We don't. All right. No, Quinn Ewers is back. Yeah. And then a Manning showing up. And yeah. we just, and we, we'll fire the coach and change. No, you won't. You just got him. Yeah. No, I mean, they, 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 they'll, they will do Johnny wholesale staff changes, I would have to think, after this season. But it's hard to believe Venables wouldn't get another season. But here's what they, here's this, this could set up rock bottom. Kansas is coming to Norman this Saturday. What if, A, Kansas is favored in Norman? I guarantee that has never happened in the history of college football. And what if Kansas wins? What if you lose at home to Kansas to go 3-4 and 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 0-4 in the Big 12? That would be rock bottom. This, This got you close. You could see rock bottom from there, and it's coming up at you fast as you face plant toward it. But that would be rock bottom to me. It is a total, complete disaster right now for Oklahoma. What is it? Twenty-three straight uh, winning seasons, going back to yeah, going back to eight, right? Mm-hmm. John, twenty-three right now. 
Yeah. And, and, uh, I don't know if you look at the remaining schedule. Yeah. They're not going to be favored in a, a whole lot of games. So, um, I don't know what happened. Like, I can't figure this out. You know, Venom was supposed to be the defensive guy. They got Levy as OC, right? I mean, he, he was, he was one of like the top, one of the big names of coordinators who could advance to, to be a, a head coach coming into this cycle. And, uh, I don't, uh, I don't get it. I don't get it. It, it, it is, it has been shocking. I think that between them and in Texas A and M, uh, those are the two most disappointing. I feel like disappointing uh, teams uh, right now. Yeah, they got Kansas at home at Iowa State, Baylor coming to Norman, at West Virginia, Oklahoma State at home at Texas Tech. Here's the problem with that: the really good teams are all coming to you. Yeah, and then the road games are all tough. Yeah. Mm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Texas Tech and West Virginia and Iowa State are not places, those are not fun places to play on the road. Not that there are right. a lot of good ones. This yeah. is reality. I mean, yeah. Uh, it, it's, again, the, the 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 double pain for the Oklahoma fans is is this and watching Lincoln Riley go 6-0 and at USC and all of the, you know, the, the self-rationalization in the offseason of, well, we'll just, we'll be tougher. We'll be tough. We'll be better on defense, and we'll be tougher because Lincoln was soft, and you didn't care about defense. Oh my God, your defense is worse. I mean, they're horrible on defense. They're outscored by eighty-seven points the last three weeks. It's incredible. Eighty-seven. All right. On the flip, Quinn Ewers is phenomenal. Uh, now, granted, he was playing against a bad defense, but this is the. I, I just want to posit this. He's going to be great. If we had the twelve-team playoff, if we had the setup. First off, this Big 12 race is just bonkers and super interesting. Yeah. yeah. But a team like Texas this year is the ones I'm going to find really interesting because, and I'm not giving them this because I, I don't know that I would say Texas is going to win the Big 10, but they have, because they already have a loss, but they can play everybody. They can still play, you know, they still got Oklahoma State and stuff like that. You know, presumably that, and then they could get at least to number two. They've lost to Texas Tech, but Texas Tech's already got two losses. They could get to one or two, get to the championship game with Ewers. And it's the team that has an injury like Quinn Ewers. They might beat Bama with Quinn Ewers. I think they probably do. They probably beat Texas Tech if they have Quinn Ewers. But they didn't. Now you get to the playoff, and you don't care where they lost by three at Texas Tech without their future number one draft pick. They're a really da- they could be a really dangerous team. Now, we will see. I got to see if Texas can do this. But that's the 12-team playoff one that's interesting. We're not sitting there going, our season was screwed because our guy got hurt for a couple weeks. Now yeah. we're back, and we're really good. Well, I wonder, I mean, is there any chance they get a mulligan for this year? You know, if they run the rest of the table, if they finish 10-2, and two, they win the Big 12 title game. They're 11-2. and two. Mm. You lost Alabama by a point. You lost to Tech by three, both with, without your starting quarterback. I mean, you have They're to gonna see, need, need help. some help. Yeah, need some help. But I just think of this way: in the future, you're going. All right, that happened, but oh my god, this guy's good. Yeah, in and the future, yeah, they they get in as like a nine seed or something, and and all let's of a sudden, go. Yeah, yeah tell, don't tell me that the not right, they play as a nine, right? They're playing the eight, and they win, and then they're going to play Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't tell me they can't win. They play in Alabama. Well, <laughs> it was 2019 last time you knocked our guy out. Right. This is the team that's going to be this type of team will be very interesting mm-hmm. in a couple uh, mm-hmm. a couple years. All right, couple more. Ross, 
The Bulldogs. Yeah. Ring that cowbell, you guy. You got that cowbell? Ring that cowbell. <laughs> uh, cowbell's back here. Yeah, yeah real. Well, ring it. Ring it. Give it a little there ding, is. ding. Yeah, yeah. What is, is going is. on? Ring a ding, ding. Ring a ding, ding. Hey, man. Mississippi they- State. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Well, I mean, they got a little fortunate with obviously KJ Jefferson not uh, playing for Arkansas. That was that was uh, that was good for the dogs' chances, and then they uh, then they exploited that. But they've entering the year. I think a lot of people around Starkville and around that community and campus thought that they could make a little noise, and that this was Le- you know it's Leach's third year. That this was the nine. Maybe get to nine, maybe even get to ten. Shake up, do do some uh, shaking up in the West a little, and and we're seeing, we're starting to see that. You know, they blew a thirteen nothing lead at LSU, um, a game that a lot of people around there thought they they should have won, uh, and they got a heck of a quarterback. I mean, Will Rogers is break shattering school and SEC records, and because he's in the system that he's in, you know, he, he probably doesn't get as much attention, but. You know he's he's a heck of a story. He went to the same, I believe he went to the same high school as uh, Gardner Minshew, who uh, who Leach had at Washington State from the Brandon, Mississippi area. Country boy who just slings it around, man. He's got incredible incredible accuracy. I was visiting the state staff earlier this week, and I was driving through Starkville, and they told me about how he gets up, watches film, watches film at the at the football building, watches film with Leach. Uh, watch his film with the offensive staff, watch his film before he goes to bed. So he he knows how to read defenses. He's super accurate. He might not have the strongest arm in the world, but he's getting it done in big game for them this coming weekend at, at Kentucky, who may or may not have Will Levis. Um, but, yes, yeah, State could be 6-1 and one heading into a road trip uh, at Alabama. Yeah, the, the amazing thing, the thing to remember about Leach, it always works. <laughs> it always and it doesn't necessarily work at easy places. At Texas Tech, took him a couple of years, and then they get up and running. And I mean, they were very strong there. Washington State, he had three losing seasons to start. Then nine and four, eight and five, nine and four, eleven and two, six and seven last year. He was probably kind of checked out. You know, last year they got above five hundred Mississippi State. Now they look like they could be well above it. Uh, he's a hell of a coach. He's a different dude. He belongs probably in some of these places where it's harder and a little more off the radar, but he can do it. Always works. Alabama's got a gauntlet coming up, and this is the, the, the challenge for this Alabama team, which is not as good as we thought, that things are popping up in places they weren't expecting. That was a good, hard physical game last night. They're at Tennessee. Then, like you said, Miss State shows up. They get a bye. Then they're at LSU, at Ole Miss. And I'm not going to give LSU got beat yesterday. That's still a that's still a formidable opponent. Like, geez, that's a tough next four games for Alabama. That's going to be a, a challenge. So we'll see what Mississippi State can do. They still have Ole Miss, Georgia, and Alabama. But they're playing a reeling Kentucky team that got beat by South Carolina, then trolled by Shane Beamer after the game. He put on those sunglasses. Uh, there was There's a little dispute between Mark Stoops and, uh, and and Shane Beamer. I love it. Like the, the you know, the mid SEC programs having a feud. We need some of that. We need some of the, right? I think they're in the bean pot. Are those the bean pots? Those are two of the bean potters. Yeah. Yeah. The bean pot. We used to say who wins the bean pot. Tennessee. Tennessee's the bean pot. Could be looking like the bean pot champ this year. But what I love about South Carolina, besides I can now call them the cock commanders and I would take no other uh, thing, is uh, Beamer has made them spicy. They're they're spicy like they were under uh, the old ball coach. Like, 
Yeah. He's going to win and troll. He's going to recruit hard. They're, they're, they're a factor. He's going to be a pain in the ass no matter whether how good they get. I don't know, but they're going to be a pain in the ass. That's the very least they will be irritating, which yes. is good. You know, they're off to a good irritating start with that. Yes. And, and, uh, the cock commander himself, Sir Big Spur, whatever the heck you want to call him, was in attendance. And I know people, some friends of mine, who actually had the cock commander in their hands uh, before the game. <laughs> I don't know. That's how you want to put that phrase. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, cock no. commander in your hands. Good job, well, Pat. Way to go. And they had that the chicken. Is... They had the chicken. Is it a chicken? Is it a hen? It's what a rooster, is it? it's right? A rooster. It's whatever. It's a chicken. The chicken the, is a rooster. The, hen, I don't the rooster understand. and the chicken. I don't understand the chicken. Frank Costanza, baby. Chin, I don't understand the, the chicken. The I'm with him. Chicken. Me and Frank yeah. Costanza are, yeah. are, are on this uh, together. Yeah. The hen goes uh, with the rooster. Who's having sex with the chicken? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I don't know. All right. A couple more. Speaking of teams, the guys that tend to get it right. Chip Kelly, baby. He's here. He's arrived. Yeah. Yeah. The Bruins, yeah. I they were. I watched a bunch of this game. Straight up, better team than Utah. I had no point that I think Utah was going to win this game. I was completely wrong. Uh, gave them too much credit. Uh, they are undefeated. They should probably be ranked close to the top ten. I don't think any of the top ten lost last week. And they've got uh, Oregon coming up. Obviously, USC at the end of the year, but. This is getting to be a really interesting deal. No fans showed up, barely any UCLA fans, but alert to all of Los Angeles. The Bruins are good yep. and fun to watch. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, they play a very entertaining style. Uh, that's their off this week. Gives them two weeks to get ready at Oregon. That's a huge game, game. in Eugene, yeah. uh, October 22nd. If they win that, look out. Then we really could be heading toward a... USC UCLA undefeated LA battle uh, November nineteenth, but they got to beat Oregon first. So, but still, Chip Kelly has gotten it done. It's been a long build. It's been a long grind. He and Dorian Thompson Robinson, the quarterback, they just kind of hitched wagons with each other and said, "Let's get it done." And each year they've gotten a little bit better. And right now they're they're quite good. They used the portal really well, right? Uh, yep. Running back Zach Charbonnet. I mean, he had two hundred yards yesterday. And this kid, this freshman, Jake Bobo, he's averaging like 16 yards at reception. Now, he only had a couple catches yesterday, but uh, he had two touchdowns, though, I think. Uh, just uh, <laughs> uh, incredible to watch. They're kind of the three-headed monster, Charbonnet, Bobo, and a DTR. They've, they, they really are. They're, they're a blast to watch. And that, that is just a really two really fun teams, US, USC and UCLA. And they both have great players at quarterback, running back, and receiver. Like, they've, they've got it. And I know on the screen during the game, they put up those stats, those three players from USC and UCLA. And uh, the broadcast was kind of saying, which, you know, which three would you take? Which trio would you take? And, uh, yeah, they might they might be undefeated um, heading into that one. And that, that would be a black. That, that in the Coliseum, Pat? Or that at the Rose Bowl? Where Where is that one? Uh, let me see no? here. Let's. Uh, yeah, I that, think it's in the uh, Coliseum. No, it's in the yeah, Rose Bowl. Be, in the Rose Bowl. Oh, they might have wow. to take those okay. tarps off the end zone and actually yeah, put people in yeah, them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Big step. This was supposed to be the year for Chip, right? This is year uh, yeah, four? Five. Was this four? Five. Five. Five? Wow. Yeah, like last yeah, this, year he did just enough to keep his job. You know, they went yeah. like eight and four and that kept the job. And, yep. Uh, and they had a rework his contract. Remember they reworked his contract? It like took forever. There was a yeah. date in his contract where – the buyout fell to zero, 
And so everybody was thinking, ooh, are they just waiting to cut ties with him? You know, when the buyout drops. Yeah. But he did enough. Like you said, he did enough. It's hard to it's hard to fire a guy that that wins eight games and and had he took over a program that was obviously not in a, in a great situation. So give it up for the Bruins. Every every week, I feel like I'm saying, well, let's see what they do next week. Ah, uh, let's see what they do next week, and they keep winning. Yep. I mean, there they are, six and zero. Oh. Uh, so that is going well. Two other, couple other games. Uh, TCU with a great win at Kansas. Uh, Kansas was. You know, they had injuries at quarterback. It was a great scene at game day. A lot of fun. Love the Kansas fans giving a standing ovation to their team after the loss. Uh, I just think TCU's – I was actually surprised Kansas – this was ended up being a push, but I thought TCU would 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 beat them. Kansas is very good if they played this TCU team like that. But TCU with Sonny Dykes is absolutely uh, capable of winning this Big 12. You know, we'll see what happens when they play Oklahoma State, which, again, gets no attention because I think, I think it's like uh, – I think there's like a federal law. We're not allowed to talk about Oklahoma State. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gundy but doesn't do himself any favors. Huge game coming this weekend. Huge game coming this weekend between those two. Yeah, Notre Dame, BYU. Is, or do you have something on that game, Pat? Go ahead. I just want to say Quentin Johnson, the receiver for TCU, 14 catches, oh, 206 yards. Uh, 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 that guy, they brought him to Big 12 Media Day, and Mark Cohen, their SID, who's a very good SID, is like, you need to talk to this kid. He's really good. And, you know, I talked to him, and, but, but, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, we'll see. And now, boy, we're seeing uh, incredible performance from him. And just from them and the offensive, they, their offense is fun and explosive and really good. Notre Dame-BYU, super entertaining game. I love Notre Dame's Shamrock Series. This was one of their best. They went to Vegas, filled the joint, biggest crowd, uh, in college, you know, the bigger the bigger crowds than they get for the Pac-12 championship game. If it's a new stadium, I think it was an exciting weekend for Notre Dame. Vegas is cool. It made Notre and they had cool uniforms, and then they went out and beat a good BYU team. BYU made a nice run late. It was a great atmosphere. There's a lot of BYU fans, obviously there. Tons of Mormons in in Las Vegas, and it's not a bad drive down from Utah. So it was a really really good game. Drew Pine is your your ultimate. He's like the new Stetson Bennett has graduated to like game manager plus. I mean, he ran sixty. He had a sixty five yard run. Game manager plus. Come on, just say game he's a good quarterback. Uh, I'm going to give him plus, it. plus plus. It's not like oh like the best God. Western plus. That's my favorite hotel. My You're favorite as hotel in the as country. Ferrance. Best Western plus. <laughs> what the hell is that? You get like a mini fridge. The best Western plus. No, this is okay. He's game manager plus plus. No, he had he said sixty five yard run that Stetson had. He just parted Auburn like you know there was no Auburn. Anyway, Drew Pine is your game manager, man. There ain't a whole lot going on, but you know what? Got enough to win. Smart play played. I, it was a very good win for Marcus Freeman. I think they're turning this around to where maybe you can see some competence. And they've got the they're, they're not going to make the play. Gonna, I don't know what their season will be, but they still got USC. And Clemson, and they've got a chance to be a real spoiler or sp- be part of this discussion the rest of the season for the Irish. You know, Dan, you mentioned Texas as a as a team that you know in an expanded playoff model that you would be like, oh, you know, they could still make a run and be dangerous. Well, I mean, Notre Dame, you know, in an expanded playoff would still be alive and kind of control their own destiny to making the making the playoff. If they if they finished 10 and 2, especially with that schedule, they had to go to Syracuse, they got Clemson at USC. I mean, it's tough, but they they would absolutely 
make the playoff. So it's those type of teams. That's why can't get here soon enough uh, to uh, to have the field, you know, in mid October instead of be, you know, twelve to fifteen teams. The field is fifty teams. Yeah, I, I give credit to Pine. Uh, the The first real look at him we got was Tommy Reese screaming, "Do your effing job!" on the phone to him. And Marcus Freeman was mad at him and everything, and they barely got out of the California game with a win. Well, as a starter, he's 3-0. and He's thrown eight touchdowns and one interception. He's done all right. Uh, give, give the kid credit for uh, having poise and, uh, and continuing to improve as things have gone along here. 22-28. And he, he's uh, a smart kid because he, he throws it a lot to Michael Meyer. <laughs> Which would be the first thing I would do. Okay, what do I got to work with that guy? Yeah, I got that guy. I'm going to throw it to him a lot, uh, a lot. All right. We want to hand out the Heisman every week. We don't wait to the end. Small sample Heisman, it's called. We don't give out one award at the end of the year. We give it out week to week. It's the Small Sample Heisman on the College Football Inquirer podcast. Ross, who wins your Heisman trophy this week? Well, this one was easy, and the problem is, is I'm going to have trouble with his last name. Yeah, um, I think I know who you're talking. Pit, about. yeah, the pit, pit running back Israel. I don't know. Do y'all have a Abinaconda? Abinaconda. Abinaconda. All right. And the hard part is, he has a nickname for Israel, Izzy. Like, no, have a good nickname for your last name. <laughs> yeah. Do us a favor, Izzy. Think of us Izzy. clumsy podcasters that are not professional broadcasters and uh, don't know anything. <laughs> Is he, he uh, against against Virginia Tech? Let me uh, let me get around to to reading this line: thirty six carries, three hundred and twenty yards, six touchdowns. Just stunning. I mean, just thirty six carries would be enough to stun me. But uh, the guy averaged on thirty six carries, averaged almost ten yards, a, or yeah, ten yards a carry close to it right it's unbelievable just just incredible so give it up for him man pit it pit beat virginia tech 45 to 29 and uh i'm here to tell you they probably wouldn't have won the game without him so incredible he's my small sample uh for this week good one pat uh gotta go a little action here uh this is incredible quinian mitchell defensive back toledo from Williston, Florida. Don't know how he ended up at Toledo, but they're sure happy he did. At least they were on Saturday. They played Northern Illinois. He had four interceptions. Two of them were pick sixes. Damn near beat Northern Illinois by himself. I don't remember the last time somebody had four interceptions in a game. There have been a few people that have had two pick sixes, but four interceptions. Incredible. Uh, Quinion Mitchell, good job. Rockets. Win to go to four and two, and uh, are two and zero oh in the MAC. So he is my small sample Heisman, Quinion Mitchell, and look out for Toledo. Uh, yeah, two pick sixes and four. Uh, how about stop throwing to that guy? <laughs> no kidding. There's a guy over there who keeps catching all our. I mean, if you're a wide receiver and you have four catches and two touchdowns, yeah, and that many right over the was return yards. Hell, he might be up for the. Small sample Heisman. Like, okay, here's the play. Here's your reads. I don't care what your first read is. That guy, he's your last read. Don't throw it over there. Anyway. 
I'm going to give the small sample Heisman to the Boise State offensive line. Okay. Uh, For the second straight week, Boise State has had two different players rush for 100 or more yards. Uh, In a 40 to 20 defeat of Fresno State uh, Saturday, uh, George Halani went for 157. Uh, Ashton Genty went for 109 and two touchdowns. They even threw in uh, this kid, uh, Elian Noah, uh, had like five for 28 at uh, 5.6, you know, a a carry. Like they were just, they were just popping people in there. They rushed for 316 total yards. Boise State is four and two. This is a program that was reeling at the beginning of the season. It looked like uh, the coaching changes. Hank Bachmeyer, their quarterback, bails on the program to to preserve two seasons of eligibility. It looked like the Broncos were going to nosedive. They look pretty good. I know Fresno's struggling, but they are just going with, let's line up and we're going to move you. And we got this slew of backs and you don't know who's going to run for 100. So very, very impressive. I give my small sample Heisman to the offensive line, Boise State Broncos. Well done, gentlemen. All right. We have said a lot of mean things on this podcast. Actually, I don't think we were that mean this week. No, I mean, we were kind of relatively nice. We didn't we didn't dwell too long on Oklahoma a little bit. We kind of killed Iowa. Oh, yeah, there was the Iowa part. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Everybody well, kills Iowa, though. Yeah, they deserve it. I mean, In that's the one thing we we'll say about our-, our podcast. If we are killing you, you probably deserve it. We also, we care. It's because we care. That's right. It's called that's tough right. love. Yeah. We break you down to build you up. Mm-hmm. We break you down to build you up. Anyway, in the spirit of being nice, let's say something nice, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Pat, you have anything nice to say? Yes, I do. I want to say something nice about the improbable showdown in Lawrence that very much lived up to uh, the billing. I mean, everybody was kind of amused by Kansas and TCU playing this undefeated game and like, oh, isn't that cute? Look at those little teams that are usually not in the picture, making having this the big tw- game in the Big 12 on the same day as Red River Shootout. And then the game delivered. I mean, it was fantastic. It was fun. It was back and forth. It was explosive. Didn't start that way. It was 10 to 3 at halftime. And then after that, it's uh, 28 to 28 in the second half. And it's like one big play touchdown followed by another. In the second half, we had touchdown plays of 51. 38, 25, 29, and 24 yards. Maybe that says a little something about the defenses. Maybe there's not a championship caliber defense or a playoff caliber defense in there. But boy, it was fun. Fun to watch. Good teams, better teams than anybody thought. Putting up 992 total yards uh, and giving us a great entertaining game in Lawrence, Kansas of all places. I'm going to say something nice about the interim coaches. The interim coaches for fired head coaches are uh, went 5-0 and this past week. Arizona State, Sean Iguano. Uh, Mickey Joseph, Nebraska, beat Rutgers. Um, uh, Brent Key, Georgia Tech, uh, beat Duke. Jim Leonard, Wisconsin, beat Northwestern. Brian Vincent, uh, kind of forgotten, but he's an interim coach at UAB, beat Middle Tennessee, who had beaten Miami. Uh, they went 5-0 and this week. I think overall... Not counting Brian Vincent, just doing the power fives. They're like seven and two overall in the season right now, the interim coaches. 
So uh, it's incredible. I think out of those, you know, we all kind of know um, that Jim Leonard, you know, probably has the best chance to to get the permanent job. But don't sleep on Brent Key, Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech guy from Birmingham. He's two and zero with the Yellow Jackets. And Mickey Joseph's a Nebraska guy. Has a good relationship with Trev Alberts. We know he's going to stick around if he's not named the permanent. So. There's uh, certainly Jim Leonard and Brent Key are two guys to keep an eye on to lock down the permanent job because right now they, they're winning, and it was a good week to be an interim. I'm going to say something nice about the uh, Carleton College football team. They had a, this is a D3 team. They have a longstanding rivalry with St. Olaf. <laughs> These two schools are both in the town of Northfield, Minnesota. Literal, not forget cross state, cross town. Okay. And uh, St. Olaf's won the last, I think, seven. But not on Saturday. Carlton ends the seven-game win streak, wins 26-7 to over uh, St. Olaf. And two things happen. A, they get a trophy known as the GOAT. They get the, the trophy they get to bring over theirs. And then in one of the other great traditions in college football, because all these traditions are just so dumb, but this one's, I think, kind of cool. There is a statue in the middle of Northfield, Minnesota. And at the top, there is an eagle. And the winning team gets to spin the eagle so that it is facing their campus. Wow. What a privilege. And for seven consecutive years, that eagle... <laughs> Was staring at Saint Olaf. This thing dates back to 1913. <laughs> Carlton gets to spin the eagle in downtown Northfield so that it stares at them. Yeah, baby. Is it the Ohio State Michigan game? No. Is it even like one of those like you know who gets the axe or the little brown jug? Is it no? It's none of those. But in the Northfield, Minnesota. 364 days you got to sit there and watch that eagle staring at the other campus. <laughs> You're looking at nope. the eagle's ass. Knowing your goat is over there. I love stupid ass stuff like this. <laughs> so congratulations to Carleton College for beating St. Olaf. Get in the goat, spin in the eagle, and joining it if you run into guys all you, you run into the other team downtown because you all share the same town. So point at that eagle. <laughs> We need more of that. We need more like spinning monuments. Right? I, I mm -hmm. agree. Everyone should have like a weather vane kind of trophy. Yes. Right. Auburn, idea. Alabama. You pop this thing down in Montgomery or Birmingham <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it just or you got to light a building one way or another. We need more of this. I'm with you. That's a great idea. We need more of this. All right. That is our show for this week. Uh, we will be back Tuesday with uh, previewing uh, what should be an awesome Awesome. I mean, we've got TCU, Oklahoma State. We've got Penn State, Michigan. We've got Tennessee and, uh, and Alabama. we got and, and others. So huge week next week coming up. And so clear your uh, no apple picking. It's a no apple picking weekend. No cider mill. Yeah, no, this is the real thing. This is the real thing. Be on alert. Don't, don't fall for that if they, they start throwing apple picking out there. Get it done. <laughs> We'll be back on Tuesday. We will talk to you later.